0: Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while. I'm glad to be here. First of all, let me give honor to God. First of all, and foremost, uh, it is an honor uh, for me to be here and to speak before you guys. Uh, before we get into the uh, the scriptures, there's something I want to share. Okay. Of course, you guys probably know that I was at Mount Zion for a while. Okay, I was filling a pulpit there. Um, Basically, what, what happened there is, is this. Me and John went over, okay, and we talked to one of the leaders there. And it's kind of like an interview process. They needed a pool pic field. So, uh, later on, me and him had a conversation. <coughs> and um, he, he kind of beat around the bush with it, but he was like, uh, First of all, let me let you know that these people here are kind of Dad. stuck in their own ways. They have their own way of thinking and they like things done a certain way. Okay? He said they, they probably don't take well and he couldn't get the words off. I said to Black's. He said yes. He said, they're stuck in their ways and they believe in a certain way. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, well, my wife and I are in racial culture. I said, so we get it from both aspects. We get it from the blacks and we also get it from whites." But Before I get further into detail in this story, in the body of Christ, there is no color. Amen. Amen. There's only one race, and that's the human race. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. So as this story develops, I tell him, I said, well, I got one thing to say before I leave. I said, What's that? I said. When God is in the midst of working in any situation, every barrier that's in the way can be knocked down. Amen. Okay. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, "Okay." So time went on. About a week passed by. Week and a half goes by. Okay. Suddenly, I get a phone call. Just like, Hey, Brother Darren, it's such Doctor Such. You mind coming and speaking to son? Said I would be honored. Because I would be honored because the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be preached. So we get there. And of course there are some blanks there. No handshakes. You know. I get up, kind of nervously getting up. (laughs) And I start to preach. And after the sermon was over, not really a lot of not really a lot of handshakes, not really a lot of anything. But as time went on and the gospel was being preached, I saw God allowed me to see hearts transformed because the very people with these cold stares and no handshakes were the very ones that was introducing me to their family and hugging me and my wife when it all said no. So whether I got that church or not, the, the whole moral the whole of this story is this. That Jesus Christ breaks barriers, Amen. Amen. so we should all be able to worship together no matter what. Amen. Right. Today, I just wanted to give you some encouragement on that. What, how that really played out? Because that was actually amazing for God to allow me to see Him work. Yes, because that's His work, not mine. Amen. Amen. So today I'll be coming from Matthew, of course, chapter 13. I'll be going from 1, chapter 13, from 1 through 23. Now the way this sermon is formatted is this. I'm going to put, even though I'm reading 1 through 23, I'm going to put emphasis on verses 19 through 23. These are where the soil types come. And from these soil types, we have four different common personalities that we see in human nature all the time. It plays out all the time. Right? So starting at verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about him. So he got it, got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parallel, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. When the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Psalm 100 Psalm 60, Psalm 30. He who has ears, Because seeing that they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy that I is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. And turn out, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Brokenness. So many things in this world. So many things that your word has an answer Every problem, every desire, everything is found in your Son of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you. For your grace and your grace. Come the father Come Move there out of the way. And you have your life. Amen. I am just your servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here you see Jesus make a very profound statement to his disciples. His disciples come to him and they ask, Why do you speak to these people in parable? And as you see Jesus' answer, he said it's been given to you to understand. Remember, anything that we understand from Scripture doesn't come from our own intellect, doesn't come from our own wisdom, doesn't come from our own logic. Because logic in the gospel, a lot of people can't figure it out. Why? When it comes to the word of God, Number one is the Holy Spirit. Number one is we have to focus on the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. Amen? You notice he says, hear and understand. See and does not see. He goes back to the prophet Isaiah. So, what is he saying? A lot of times we're preoccupied, so we don't listen a lot of times. Maybe they're preoccupied, maybe they're tired, maybe they're not interested. But no matter what the case may be, when a person does not listen, he or she is missing something. And when it's the word of the Most High, that person is missing something very important. As we look at this parable of the sores, it is important to remember how important the process of hearing is. That is, in the sense of receiving and understanding. Okay. In addition, we must take into account the type of people that are represented in this parable in the form of ground and or soil types. There's four types of personalities found. Here. I've named them out, and each one will go to Scripture to see what Jesus is saying. Again, you guys heard me say this, and I will repeat it again. I have not proved Scripture with the world's means of Scripture. I've proved the so in the form of ground and or soil types, notice the types of ground, or if you will, the personality types that we can see in this parable. First we come to the unconcerned hero. The unconcerned hero, represented by the pathway in verse 19. And it says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the sea along the path. So what is Jesus saying? What is he actually getting through to these people? What is he saying? That he or she is preoccupied with too many things. We can be preoccupied with too much television. Too many of the things that the world loves, but we claim to be Christians. See where I'm going with this? And the devil comes, and before it's even there, he snatches away what has been sown. He knows every trick of the trade. And one of the biggest deceptions he ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't We see that this person or these people are preoccupied with other things. So the word of God never takes root because it is never taken to heart. Now the words in his heart. The next three words I want you to put emphasis. I want to put emphasis on this because in his heart makes the heart the place of decision, the center of personality. You know? It is wrong to conclude from this that the person in view actually becomes a Christian and church member and then rejects the message. He argues that the words, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, that is tantamount to saying that he becomes a Christian. The conclusion is until, if anyone considers the next words and does not understand them. So we cannot come to the conclusion that this person became a Christian and then rejected it, became a church member and then later on rejected it. We can't come to that conclusion. That's not what God is saying. Right? B, there is easy access to his or her undisciplined mind. Jesus' interpretation is clear and is accurate. Some people hear the message about the kingdom, but like hardened past, they do not let the truth of the gospel penetrate, and before they really understand it, the devil has snatched it away. There's a guy in my job, let me give you an example. Jason preached about the Pharisees and gave you examples of how the Pharisees actually thought and their their think pattern, and that righteousness was within them. Right? Legalism, Phariseeism—so many different names, same thing. He came to work and he said, "Man, I tell you, this preacher was just—I don't know—he came in at first. He was just going with the rules. He was going along with what." What needed to be done, was following tradition, and then all of a sudden he fell off course. I said, okay. Uh, what, what, did he, what did he do? He said, Well, you know Timothy, where Paul explains how the church should be set up with elders and deacons and how everything should should flow. Yeah. He said, but that's not according to our Constitution. It's not to our bylaws. Huh. So apologetics is asking questions, defending the gospel. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, "Yeah." I said, so do you believe that the word of God from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 is the inherent word of God? Amen. Absolute word of God. I said, do you believe that? Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I believe that. I said, but you just told me this a few minutes ago from Timothy, when Paul was telling how the church should be set up, that it's not according to your constitution. You know what he did? He got upset. And he walked out. The gospel should be the This is the problem with the church today. We've become too tall. Yes. We've allowed other things to come in. Again, snatch away what should be planned. What should be planned? The word of Jesus Christ. The cross is the solution to everything. I didn't do that to to, to embarrass him. I didn't do that to hurt him. But I just want people to think about the things that they say. We have a tremendous responsibility to spread the gospel. That was the last commission Jesus gave us disciples. Go ye and make disciples. Every nation. He didn't say, go out and choose blacks. Go out and choose whites, Asians, Philippines, he didn't say that. He said go out and make disciples. Yes. From every nation, tribe, language. Amen. 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 Yes. Second, we come to the emotional here represented by the stony or rocky ground in verses 20 and 21. As, and this is what it says, it says, as for what was sung, on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Notice what I said, the emotional here. We have a lot of those. The thinking that walking down an aisle and saying some magical words is going to save you. No. Why? People start to put trust in the walk down the aisle and not trust in Jesus Christ. They put more trust in uh, sinners prayer that's found nowhere in Scripture. Right? Nowhere in Scripture do you find sinners prayer. You know where that was created? By a man named Charles Finney. That's where that was found. So you can throw sinner's prayer out. The if it's not by Scripture, it does not matter. Amen? Amen?
1: So again, we have
0: an emotional hero, right? He's represented by the stony or the rocky ground. Now, there's two things, if you see it in the sermon, there's two things I want us to focus on in these two verses. And that is that is, he has no root in himself, right? And immediately he falls away. He has no root in himself. This new age, modern, whatever you want to call it, they put so many names, so many isms to it, will teach you, oh, well, all of the answers lie within you if you just dig deep enough. <laughs> Everything can be found. Every answer to your life's struggles and your life's problems can be found within yourself if you just dig deep enough. These self-help gurus You have them everywhere. Joel Osteen has these books everywhere. Crackville Dollar has these books everywhere. T.D. Jakes has them everywhere. Help yourself. Yourself, as scripture just said, has no root in it. Right? The root is who? Jesus Christ. Immediately, if you notice, he falls away. He or she values what they feel and what he sees above everything else. Right. Therefore, he has no debt. Secondly, he is offended as quickly as they receive their because they're ruled by their emotions, emotional decisions. Remember when we had the the other series? We had the nature of the church and the walking in the spirit. You remember that? And how I said I grew up in the south, and how churches in the south was infamous for playing this certain music and the lights. And then they have these so-called people that train to come down the aisle, and this person comes down and make this emotional decision based off the music that's playing and the lights that's dim, right? Because music sparks a certain stimuli in the brain, and they know this. These are tactics. These are the strategies of the enemy. Okay, so they come down this aisle, they make this emotional decision, they say a few magical words, and then the preacher stands them up and say, "Glory to God, we got a new, a new guy in Christ." Hadn't, sh- hadn't. He hadn't done anything with this guy, but announced him to be saved because he said a few words. That's an emotional decision. It's called emotionalism. I told you there's a lot of isms out there. Okay? So they're ruled by their emotions. If you notice in verse twenty one of our text it says, But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Thirdly, we come to the worldly-minded here, represented by the thorny ground in verse 22. It says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves it unfruitful. Now again, what is Jesus saying? In verse 22 is this. This is what he's saying. The person is worried, anxious, and covetous. Okay? He's basically, he's worried about what might happen to what he's trying to get, if he ever gets it. Again, what Jesus is saying here is very clear. Okay? We spend so much time working and working and working and working and working for riches, trying to get richer. Turn with me if you will, and you just look at your notes here. It's in the start to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's see what the Apostle Paul says about striving to be rich. Because we have a lot of this prosperity gospel that's going around telling people if you pray this certain prayer you can speak things into existence and you can touch this and it happens the only person that has the authority that can speak anything into existence is God himself Amen. you don't have that authority quit telling people that Thanks. Amen, are you there? But those who desire to be rich fall where? Into temptation. Into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's pretty clear. Jesus is always clear about what he said. It was always a religious figure that always tried to run up and test Jesus all the time. The Pharisees were always testing Jesus. In the account of Matthew in the earlier chapters, the Pharisees come to him and say, whose authority are you pre- or are you teaching these things? You notice what Jesus says and he turns the question around. He says, let me ask you a question. John the Baptist's baptism, were they heavenly or were they fleshly? All in the turn, try to figure it out. They all mumbled among them themselves. Well, the you you know God the people the garment down the the prophets so they'll kill us. You know, he said, Kevin, So they turned and said, we don't know. He said, neither can I tell you whose authority I'm teaching you Because he already knew the heart. Yeah. Right? The heart is the center of personality. These are words the Holy Spirit touches. The only way a person can make any decision based on the gospel is the Holy Spirit does it. Oh. So, what do we gather from this? That the world, the worries about worldly things or devotion to wealth snuff out our spiritual life. Deceit is understood. <clears throat> there is an added warning that these thorns are so subtle that one may not be aware of the choking that is going on. Mm. The warning is timeless. He is deceived in his thinking and therefore can never be fruitful. Let me give you an example. A school teacher lost her life savings in a business scheme that had been elaborately explained by a swimmer. When her investment disappeared and her dream was shattered, she went to the Better Business Bureau. Why on earth you come to us first, the official asked. Didn't you know about us, the Better Business Bureau? Oh, yes, said the lady Saffer. I've always known about you. But I didn't come because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. You see, the folly or the foolishness of human nature yes. is that even though we know where the answers lie, which is God's word, we don't turn them. Why? Man. Mm-hmm. For fear of what it is saying. Hmm. And these are all the things that are profound statements that Jesus said, if you don't understand these terms, you won't understand anything. These are the personality types we see in people all the time, in myself, everyone included. I'm going to stand and say by grace, just like anyone else the say. Next, we come to the spiritually minded period, right? It's represented by the good ground in verse twenty-three, and this is what twenty-three <coughs> says: As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. I want you to notice something. Notice the process. He hears, he understands, he produces. Remember what Rod, his sermon was about when he said, now don't get me wrong, we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. There's a big difference, okay? A lot of people get the scriptures twisted because they put discipleship verses for salvation verses. Therefore, we teach in that manner. Yeah. So basically, we're putting the cart before the horse. Before we can teach anyone discipleship, before we can disciple anyone, that person has to first be saved. Justification is this. That everything that you have ever done, don't do, and haven't ever thought about doing is now erased. Jesus has taken care of every dinner. This is the example I gave you Mount Zion. Say, for instance, we have a guy who's been walking with God for 50 years. And on this side, we have a guy who's been walking with God for 50 minutes. The person who's been walking with God for 50 years is no more justified than the guy who's been walking with God for 50 minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you understand that? Yeah. And after justification comes sanctification. Sanctification is a process that continues over the course of a believer's life. Until either he's called home or he just continues, right? But sanctification is a, is a process. That's the process. Justification is So we see that he hears, he understands, he produces. All done by the Holy Spirit working in and through the individual. Nevertheless, it is God who receives the glory. The process begins with the act of hearing in a receptive manner and acting on that which has been received in one's heart through the power of God. He understands the word, and then he bears fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit grows in the Garden of Obedience. This is what James said. Now, James is one of the most misunderstood books probably out there. Because it said and a lot of these leaders say, well, you notice what James said, work without faith is dead. That's why timelines in history is so important. Because what James is saying is that you're not saved by your works. He's saying that the work, the faith that we have in the, in Christ should be shown and our fellow man should be able to see that faith. That's what, That's, right. That's what James is talking about. Again, another scheme or another tactic of the enemy. You think that Satan's not going to attack the works? What makes us think that? Well, I go to church. I got baptized. So does so the devil. So does his angel. So does that. The demons go to church too. And they're getting a lot of church, so-called church people, because if we are professing Christ, we are professing but there is nothing there that the world can see. No light. So we see he bears fruit, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows in the garden of obedience. And James chapter 1 verse 21 says this. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. How you might ask, can a person do any of these things? Is it based on you? No. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two, or you can just read the notes. Philippians chapter two verses twelve and thirteen says this: Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But listen to verse thirteen: For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for my good pleasure? God. His good pleasure. That's how it's done. Again, we notice where the emphasis is being put, not on the human, not on man, on God. For it is God that works within you, both to will and to work. So if a person even makes a decision, to want to pick up the Bible and read it. To want to be around other people, to be to learn from them about who Christ is. It's a work of God for them, both to will and to do. Both to will and to work. Okay? In a newsletter called The Last Days, a man tells about a group of tourists visiting a picturesque village, Poor village who walked by an old man sitting beside a fence. In a rather sarcastic way, one tourist asked, were there any great men born here? The old man replied, nope, only babies. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> a sarcastic question brought about a profound answer. Right? There are no instant heroes, whether in this world or in the kingdom of the Most High. Growth takes time. Spiritual growth takes time. The problem is that the unconcerned here, the emotional here, and the worldly-minded here never take the time to cultivate their experience with God. Spiritual growth takes time, and without it, we will not endure. Although these personality types are common, The person can be challenged only through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit. The testimony of God's word is absolute. So I want to bring us to this point as I come to a conclusion, okay? How can one know that they are actually saved? And how can you know that? I'm sure many people have asked that question. How can one truly know what they're going The testimony of God's word, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, says this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. The, the Bible is the inspired written word of God. It is unchanging truth. Whatever is written in its pages can be accepted and relied upon as truth. God cannot lie. The Bible tells us this, that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Yeah. Who can know it? In other words, it goes beyond knowledge in its wickedness. So do you really want to trust the heart to be wicked? Now, not one minute. But John said, the things that I've written to you, Who believe in the name of the Son of God? So we know that the Bible is the inspired written word of God. Still, you may have another question. How still? I still don't still don't get it. It is unchanging truth. So we know that John chapter twenty verse thirty one says this. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Now, believing itself is a gift probably heard me say this before, you can't lock yourself in a room and say tomorrow I'm going to believe I'm going to to repent and I'm going to believe tomorrow. It's not going to happen. You spend the rest of your life working to try to get to that and it won't happen. These are gifts that God gives his people because these are the things that God requires. He's going to equip us with everything we need for salvation. He's going to equip us for everything we need for salvation. We should find assurance of salvation in the truth of God's word. We should have confident trust that we are saved based solely on the promises God has declared. You see, assurance of salvation is based on God's promises in Scripture. That those who believe in Jesus Christ will receive eternal life. Repentance from sin believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the General jailer ran to Paul and Silas and dropped down when the earthquake came and, and, the, and the chains dropped off. And in those times, you have to remember that whenever a person escaped the custody of a jail or whoever was responsible for those people, that was punishable by death. So you can imagine how afraid this guy was when he thought all these prisoners were gone. And Paul let him know, no, they're all still here, right? The man run. And asked and dropped. and said, what shall I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Did they say, well, repent of all you said? Yeah. No. said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You and your house. See what I mean about putting the cart before the horse? How long will it take to repent of all you sin? mean, we can go through a list from here to eternity if you want I'm not willing to sit down that long and listen to a list that long but not good all Satan needs is a little over and he can manipulate many as I mentioned before this prosperity gospel is running rampant. And no matter the cost, you must defend the gospel. The apostle Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, again, this is what I said this earlier. See, this is what happens right at the moment we place our trust given to us by God in the finished and complete work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are justified, which means this. Everything we have ever done and will do is now white clean. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the reality of our salvation. And how do we know this? Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 27 says that for the one who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You can't escape it when it comes to Scripture. You can escape it when it comes to the world. You can run all you want. Today is the day. Today is the day. Tomorrow is not promised, people. We can walk out that door right now and that it be the end a scary thought, but it's reality. We see people passing away all the time. So the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 says, in Him you also, listen to what he's saying, because he's putting the emphasis on God. He says, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. People, I want to, in closing, I just want to say I don't want this to seem harsh, okay? But I love it. So a lot of times it may sound harsh. But the gospel saved, always say, It offends people and it also saves people. So everything you hear about the gospel is not going to make you leave out of here feeling good about yourself. When we preach, when John, or Jason, or Robert, all whenever we preach, we're not only preaching to you guys and teaching you guys, we're preaching and teaching ourselves. Because we can't teach you. We don't do <laughs> it. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> That's great. Heavenly Father, a lot of times, we don't know what to ask. Selfish ways are unfruitful thoughts, distractions, <coughs> so many things. Heavenly Father, I ask that you you keep us in your word. And the cross that your Son bears for us is a love that can't be explained. And the Father, the cross for Jesus bear our sin. He who knew no sin, bear our sin so that we may have a right to be And to know that these things were done before the foundations of the world should give us the greatest assurance. And it's, you have our best interest in you. Although we're thrown off by so many things, so many things in that world, Heavenly Father, I ask that each one of us here in this body, You give us strength to go out and proclaim your name. Proclaim your name to a world that is dying, a world that can care less about who you are. And the only way they will know is to abide. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.